Father God, we just continue in worship. And in recognition that you are the sovereign God and that your word is life to us. We thank you, Lord, for your ways. We thank you for your commandments. We thank you for your instruction, for your wisdom and holiness. We thank you for your nature that you've made available to us. We thank you for a love that we are not the source of. We're thankful for a truth that we are not the source of. Direction and guidance that does not come from us. We thank you that you alone direct us. We thank you that you know the end from the beginning. We thank you that your will is perfect for each of us. Lord, I just confess and repent and ask your forgiveness for anything and everything in me that does not honor you, that is contrary to your nature, that is contrary to your ways. Lord, I desire sanctification by your word today. And pray that you would just use this mouthpiece to bring forth your truth that it would be received by soft hearts that trust you that believe that this is all real that desire Lord for for your fame to be established in the north gate for your authority to be established in the north gate for your headship to be established over the churches in this area over the congregations, over every individual family, and over every one of your saints. We pray for your word to come like a hammer and like fire today. Do its, do its job in each of us. In Jesus' name. Hi, Kirby's. All right, so um, 1 John 3, 10 and 11. Someone just read those two verses for us. Okay, what does that word manifest mean? Who said that? Good. Smarty pants. Yeah. Manifest means made apparent, made evident. Or to prove by demonstration. All right. So let's not get caught up in words that uh, sound too big or too biblical for us to understand. This is just basically the writer is saying this is what displays whether someone is a son of God or a son of the enemy. This is what shows it. This is what demonstrates it. This is the evidence that shows what is. This is the evidence that shows what is. 
Go ahead, and, or uh, whoever was reading it. Alright, so the sons of God are manifest, or put on display, or exposed, or evidenced by, or proven by way of demonstration that they practice righteousness and they love the brother. And notice there that the word says, practice righteousness. That is different than imputed righteousness, which all who are born again have. Why do all who are born again have imputed righteousness? Because we're clothed in the blood, covered in the blood. The righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us. So we have an imputed, an imputed righteousness by being born again, but that's not what this author is talking about. He's talking about practiced righteousness, which is what? Walking in God's ways. So walking in God's ways and loving are the two things that display whether someone belongs to God or not. And I just want to point out how in that text you see that both the law and love accomplish the same thing. They both are the the demonstration or the manifestation that someone belongs to God. And I make a specific point of this because in a whole bunch of false teaching in the church right now, you see the law and love opposed to one another. You see them at odds. You see them as two different agendas or objectives. But that's just false teaching. It always has been going all the way back to Daniel chapter 2. It says the enemy's going to come against God's ways. He's going, to, he's going to come against the law and the times. He's going to come against God's commandments. The word of God is truth. And the Bible says that the, the enemy's job and desire in the earth is to erase that truth. So that's just an all-out attack on God's commandments. So one of the false ways that the church has taught in alignment with Satan's agenda is to say the law and love are at, a, are at odds. They're, they're, they're opposed to each other. And the, the word teaches the exact opposite. They are always one and the same. They're always a part of the same agenda. They are always sourced by God and they're never separated. So that's why, as we see in like Second Peter um, chapter one, the list of the divine nature and the things we must be diligent to add to walk in the divine nature starts with what? Virtuous living. Which is what? Walking in God's ways. Which is what? Practice righteousness. And that list then ends with agape love. They're, not, they're never opposed to each other. They're never going in different directions. They're always only going in the same direction. And so today, I think the point of today's teaching is to... Um, is to maybe first and foremost minister to those who are <clears throat> diligent and focused 
and pursuing obedience to God's commandments, but finding it difficult to walk out the loving people peace. And, and specifically, I think it's meant to expose in order to then destroy the lies that cause people to do that, cause people to do what? Work hard to keep all of God's commandments, but don't do anything to love people. I think there are some actual deceptions that people believe that um, cause them to believe that that's even possible, right? And the deceptions can be things like, um, it's, I'm just not really wired that way. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really not a lover. I'm, I'm just not. I'm just not wired that way. It's just not really my personality. Can you walk in God's commandments and be an introvert? Of course you can. Some people are wired as introverts. Some people's natural disposition towards others is, you know, a little bit backed away. Totally fine. We're not talking about that. What we are talking about is the deception that it is possible to walk in God's commandments and not love other people. And we know that that's possible because the word teaches about it and against it constantly. Jesus in, um, I think it's Revelation 2 or 3, in, in the letter to the loveless church, Right? What is, what is the admonition to that group? They're walking it out. Won't put up with false doctrine, calling out false apostles. They're staying the course. They're diligent. They're suffering for Christ's name's sake. But what have they lost? Love. And what does he say? What does Jesus say that, that shows what a, what a, um, how, how important this teaching is, how important it is to call out the deception that you can walk in God's ways and just not bother with loving people. Jesus says what? If you do not repent and return, what am I going to do? Anyone remember? Remove your lampstand. That's a big deal. That's basically Jesus saying, um, I don't care how closely you keep my commandments. I don't care how diligent you are to walk in my ways. If you do not love people, you cannot represent me. That's what Christ is saying. Listen to me. I don't care how closely you keep the commandments, and I don't care how diligently you are to walk in my ways. If you don't love people, you cannot represent me. That's what the lampstand is. It's light on the earth, right? It's the church. You cannot be the church. If you don't love, you're not the church. I don't care if you keep Sabbath. You don't love, you're not the church. It's a big deal. 
right? So here's who I'm preaching to today. I'm preaching to the people who say, um, I can love God while I isolate myself. I'm preaching to the people that think they can be a Christian and not be connected to a congregation. I'm preaching to people who say, well, I'm just too busy or I'm too focused to be engaged in real relationship with people. I'm preaching to the people that think they're antisocial or just not wired to love. We can't do that. First John 3, that paragraph starts with the imperative of love. Sons of God are manifest by those who practice righteousness and love each other. It's not one or the other. It cannot be one or the other. If you read on in, in chapter 3 of, of 1 John, it says that he who does not love his brother abides in what? death you see why this is so important to address because you could be running around convincing yourself that you're just antisocial and that's why you don't love people when in reality it could be because you're not born again That's a big deal. That needs to be gotten to the bottom of, would you agree? So if you evaluate your life right now, just be honest. You evaluate your walk right now and, and the first thing you think about is all the commandments that you keep, nothing wrong with that. It's the way we love God, is it not? By this we know we know by this we know that we know the God of the Bible if we do what? Keep his commandments. And what is the love of God? Keep his commandments. How do we love an invisible in, invisible God? Keep his commandments. What's the one sure way of knowing we're walking in the divine nature? We walk in God's ways. God's ways are truth. God's ways are perfect. The way of holiness is what we're called to. Keeping God's commandments is awesome. And every one of us likely are in this room because we have experienced the fruit the good fruit that comes when we walk in God's ways. But here's the deal. If you have to stop there and you can't go beyond that and say, have it come to mind all of the people that you are actively loving, then there's an issue there. Because it's not about being antisocial. It's not about being not wired to love. It's not about how you've been raised. It's not about where you live. It's not about how busy you are. None of those things matter. It is imperative that the body of Christ loves or we cannot represent Christ. And we live, by the way, in a time in which complete isolation is absolutely possible. I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago and and they literally said yeah 
um, um, this this um, click list thing at, at uh, Walmart is so amazing. They said, um, what's that, man? They said, uh, I, I, all I got to do is pull up and um, pop my trunk. Someone literally comes and, and puts my groceries in, the, in my trunk. And, and he literally said, I literally don't even have to get out of the car. I don't have to say a word to anybody. I don't pay any bills. It's all done electronically. I just, they shut my trunk and I drive away. And, um, and it was all shared within the context of how easy and efficient it is. And, um, and to me, I was like, that's, that's super heartbreaking. Like you're seeing it as a good thing that you don't even have to open your car door or roll down your window to engage another human being. My brother literally makes fun of me because I go into the bank. I mean, he literally makes fun of me. He calls me a caveman because I pay with checks and I go into the bank when I want to do some banking. He's like, what are you, you know, he just makes a silly comment about it. But I'm like, honestly, I do it because I want to go engage with people. But we live in a time in which the um, people are creating and inventing ways of eliminating engaging with people because it's not efficient. It's imperative that the body of Christ loves. It is the tip of the spear of the witness of those who belong to Jesus. It is the absolute most clear expression and most clear manifestation of the divine nature of the God of the Bible to love and to specifically lay your life down for another. So tell me, how is it possible to lay your life down for another if you don't have any relationships? And you say, well, I just do that with my family so I can do that under my own roof. Well, what did Jesus say? Who do the tax collectors love? Those who love them. Easy. Everyone does that. You don't have to be born again to do that. Who do you have to love if to show that you're authentically born again and that you're being powered by the spirit of the living God? Enemy. enemy. Who's the enemy? Maybe it's someone at Walmart that checks your groceries really slowly. How dare them. Right? If, if, the, if, the, if the ultimate expression of love is sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else, Right? Do we have scriptures that back that? Yep. Right there in 1 John chapter 3. Right? Ephesians chapter 5. Walk in love. Be imitators of Christ, who did what? Laid his life down on our behalf, a fragrant offering to the Father. 1 John chapter 3. By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. John 15. It's the, it's, the, it's the truest expression of love. Agape love in particular. Selfless, self-sacrificing, purposeful act of love that is not based on feelings. And not a reaction. It's an initiating love. If you do not have relationship, if you are intentionally isolating from people 
You cannot walk that out. You hearing this? We're doing this to do what? Expose lies. Lies that are preventing us from doing what? Walking in what we're called to walk in. Everyone tracking with me? Because now we'll get into the teaching. Why this is so important. John 7, 38. Someone read that for us. John 7, Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 38. Go back to, um, for, for me, please, just do uh, 37, 38, and 39. I'm sorry, I should have given you a little bit more there. Okay, so what do we recognize just from a pure observation, paying attention to the language of the text, what do you recognize, what jumps out at you? Anything that jumps out at you, any observations? Living water flows. Living water flows. Dramatic pause and repetition. Fl living water flows. What does flow mean? It's moving. It's moving where? There's direction. Right? There's flow, there's movement, there's direction. That living water is what? It's alive? It's living? What's that? Bam! Kirby is on fire today. What's the source of the living river? Well, we got to stick with what's written. Okay, let's, 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 let's get to the bottom of this in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 1. The question was, the, the water, the living water that is flowing outward is coming from a source. We want to know where that source is. Okay, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1 says what, Lizzie? Everyone read that? Revelation 22 verse 1. 
Go for it, Lizzie. Interesting. So the river of living water, the source of it, from what it is proceeding, from where it is proceeding, is the throne and the Lamb. Isn't, Angie, isn't the Nile source from Lake Victoria? So those of us that have been to Uganda, the Nile River um, source is in Uganda, and it's a it's a lake that is fed from underneath. So it's it's really cool. You can take a little barge out into the middle of this giant lake, and you see, it's not like a massive bubbling, but you can easily see that there is water coming up, and and kind of touching the surface, and then it flows. Actually, it flows north. But the but so the source of the Nile, which is one of the longest rivers in the world. Uh, is Lake Victoria, and that water is coming from the earth and goes. That's just a picture of source. Source is where does the water start? Where does it proceed from? Where does it come from? We know it comes through the belly of a believer. Isn't that what Jesus says? Those who believe on me will have rivers of living water flowing from their bellies. Okay, but the belly, saints, is not the source. What's the source? The throne of God and the Lamb. So think about that. The river of living water is sourced in heaven. If we, if we want to use that phrase. Right? Heaven and earth will be reunited in the age to come. Revelation 21 and 22. Right now they are separated. But there is a connection point. There is to be a connection point. And guess what? Guess who that connection point is? You and me. And everyone else who is authentically born again. Awesome. So, when we talk about the, the love that we're being called to walk in, um, if you don't remember anything else from today, just remember this. You and I are not the source of it. You and I are not the source of agape love. We don't generate it. We're not the source of it. It doesn't come from us. Hallelujah, it comes through us. Yeah. And why is that so important to know and to own? Because it smashes every one of the deceptions that say, I'm just not wired that way. It smashes every deception that says, I'm just antisocial. It smashes every lie that says, I, I can love God and not love people. It smashes every lie that says, I can be a Christian and isolate myself.
if this love was based on us, if this love was sourced by us, if this love was generated by us, if this love was based on our feelings or our emotions or our theology or our trying harder, then we could say those things. Then we could use those excuses. But when you finally get your head around, and when I finally get my head around that I am not the source of this love, I am the vessel through which it flows, because it's sourced by the Lamb and the throne of God, and it's meant to flow through the belly of believers into the earth. Once you get your heads around that, once we get our heads around that, then, then these two things working together is be going to begin to make sense. And why is that? Because what ultimately is the purpose of all of God's laws? The purpose of God's laws is to sanctify his saints to be pure vessels through which the river of living water can flow. Everyone hear that? Don't miss what I just said. It's the whole point. God's laws. Okay, let's get really, really crystal clear about this. God's laws are what's written. I'm not talking about any of man's laws. I'm not talking about any of man's traditions. I'm not talking about any of man's religion. I'm not talking about any denominational crap. any self-righteousness, any legalism. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about God's laws. Are God's laws sourced by man? Absolutely not. How do we know that? Because Paul says the law is spiritual. What does that mean? It means the law come from spirit. The law came from God. His instruction, his judgments, his statutes, his precepts, his commandments are spiritual, meaning sourced by him, and they are perfect to bring the body of Christ into alignment, the banks of that river, if you will, so that the thing can flow through us. That's the whole point of God's ways, to purify you and I to be the vessels through which the, the river of living water can flow. Hallelujah, if we could just get our heads around that right there. That's why Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, do what? Do all the commandments and teach others to do the same. You do God's commandments and you teach others to do the same and the river of living water will flow in your home and in your workplace and at Walmart and at Wells Fargo and on the freeway and at the ballpark and at the gym and everywhere else you go. The reason these two things are never separated is because it's the law and sanctification that comes by the law or by the word or by the truth that aligns the saint and transforms the saint and purifies the saint so that this flow can take place. Hallelujah. You know what? When we were looking at virtuous living, remember that list that we printed out? What percentage of that list was don't? 
don't do this, don't do that. A lot of it, a lot of it was, a lot of it is. A lot of what God instructs is don't. That's not for you anymore. Why is that? It's because, it's, it's because if someone is authentically born again, they still have an old man that's hanging on. They still have an old life that's hanging on. So every time virtuous living or living period, instruction on how to live, it always, it's always lined out the same way. All these things from the old man got to be put off. Why? Because everything about the old man and everything about the old life and every idol that you and I have ever had relationship with blocks the flow. Blocks the flow. It takes you as a vessel and just jams you up. Everything about the old man does that. Everything about the old life does that. That's why you can't bring it along. That's why I can't bring it along. That's why the sanctification process is always pruning, always pruning, always pruning. That's why God uproots and tears downs, destroy and throw down, and then builds and plant. This making sense? If you get your head around, we are not the source, we are the vessel. If you get your head around, the, the river of living water flows through us. We do not generate it. We do not create it. We are not the source of it. We are only the conduit through which it flows. This is going to start making a lot of sense. All the lists you read in Scripture are going to start making a lot of sense. And the question that the Lord brought me to three weeks ago or so, for me, is making a whole lot more sense. So we prayed at Pentecost to be empowered from on high to walk in agape love. First thing God showed us was, is what agape love is. It's love that he is the source of. Purposeful, intentional, selfless in nature, not deterred by conditions, acts of initiating love. We, we prayed to be empowered to walk in that. And then three weeks ago, the Lord just convicts me in a number of ways that I am squandering time, time in which I could be loving. So with a heart to not squander moments, I prayed for clarity. What do I need to do to love more? And God reminded me of his ways, Susie. First I uproot and pull down, then I destroy and tear down, then I plant and build. You don't need to ask about what needs to be added at this point, Eric. You need to be reminded and you need to be convicted about what's blocking you from loving, about what's jamming you up, about what's kinking your hose. And what I thought he told me was, your cell phone is a distraction to you. When you could be loving your family, you're distracted by your cell phone. And as I dug into that, and specifically through the text of Philippians 2, 1 through 4, the Lord corrected my mistake when he said, it's not your cell phone. 
It's your pride. It's not your cell phone that needs to be removed. It's your pride. Pride manifesting in self-centeredness. And so the text that he took me to was Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Someone mind reading that for me real quick? That was the text he used to open my eyes. And I praise God, by the way, just to share a quick testimony. When you ask a question like, what do I got to do to love more? It is incredible how he will answer you by his word. Absolutely incredible. And bring to remembrance, just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would do bring to remembrance all of the things that you've already been taught to confirm this word and clarify what needs to be done. So he just used this word to say, you're not esteeming others above yourself. And esteem means to consider or to think about. So the conviction with clarity was, Eric, you're not distracted by your cell phone when you get home. It's not an easy solution to say, just put your cell phone up. No, you got pride. You got pride manifesting in self-centeredness, which is basically when you get home, you're looking to your own needs instead of the needs of the, your family. So what you need to do to love more, and this is the whole point, is you gotta remove pride. And that's how the answer is almost always gonna come, saints. When you're ready to take your next step in sanctification, and conformity into the image of Christ down that narrow path, it's almost always going to be this is what's got to be removed. This is what's got to be stopped. This is what's no longer for you. It's tricky when it's something like pride and self-centeredness. But let me show you how, let me show you how beautifully this works. Let me show you how, how good God's ways are. So... So since Pentecost, and since we've been praying to walk in agape love, God gave us a couple of specific actions. Now, now look at the look at the reasonability of walking in each of these actions if you are walking in pride and self-centeredness. Okay, if I have pride manifesting in self-centeredness, when I walk into a situation, what is the likelihood that I'm going to look people in the eyes? It's not high. Why? You don't care. Yep. Absolutely. Especially when it's at the gym. 
<laughs> That's 100% truth. If you have pride in your life manifesting in self-centeredness, you won't even take the time to look in people's eyes because you don't care. Why is that such an issue? Because the eyes are the window to the soul and they reveal things that the spirit wants to deal with. Opportunities for the, living, living, the river of living water to flow and, and water. Pride. just doesn't work okay what about um the lord the lord told us in those situations when you're encountering when you're encountering people do not prepare what to say okay that's a that's a that's a weird thing why would that be um why would that be within this this new revelation of agape love well what we just got done recognizing is that agape love we are not the source of it we do not generate it. We don't come up with it. It's not based on our feelings or our emotions. We are nothing but a conduit because agape love is sourced by the Father. So if every time I encounter people, I have all these rote Christianese answers, all of these cookie cutter prophecy, fake prophecies and fake encouragement and the same verses that I use every single time and none of it's spontaneous, none of it's spirit-led, it's all just me what is the likelihood that I'm going to walk in that if I am full of pride? Won't do it. What's pride? What's pride going to do in that situation? Come, come with my favorite answer. Come with the one that gets me the most recognition. The one that I've gotten the most appreciation from in the past. I'm going to go back to that one. Make sense? You know how humble you have to be to not prepare? We'll get to that in a second, but yeah, if you, if you have pride, the likelihood of you not preparing what to say is not high. What about meeting needs? What do you got to do to, what do you got to do to, what, what did the Lord teach us? The first thing you got to do to be prepared to meet needs when you see them is what? What is your heart regarding what you have? It's not all yours. Is that uh, the heart of the people of God? Going, going back to when? The very beginning. You don't glean the corners of your fields. You don't go over your vineyard twice. You leave the corners for the widows and the orphans because it doesn't all belong to you. Right? So if I don't have that heart, what is the likelihood that when I do look someone in the eyes or when I do have a conversation with someone and they express an actual material need that I'm going to, go out of my way to meet that need. If I have pride manifesting in self-centeredness, saints, it's not good. <laughs> it ain't good. If you have a problem giving, you have pride. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Now the opposite can also can be true. You can overgive because of pride. Right, but one of the biggest manifestations of pride is self-centeredness. And if your thought about everything you earn is it all belongs to me, you're not going to meet needs. Right, what about the last one also can be kind of tricky. The last one the Lord's been dealing with us is speaking the truth. 
You guys want to, when I was praying into this one and digging into this one, you know what I feel like the Lord told me? You can overspeak the truth in pride. That is a possibility. But it's actually, and we were speaking the truth specifically as it relates to what? Do you guys remember? Exposing sin, right? Within the congregation, the boldness to speak the truth as it relates to exposing sin is an act of agape love. And, and what the Lord was dealing with me is, it's because one of the manifestations of pride is self-centeredness, and one of the kind of the kind of the manifestation of self-centeredness is self-preservation and wanting to please and not wanting to be disliked is you will often, because of pride, withhold the truth and not speak the truth. It seems like, and it will often, well, I don't wanna offend that person, right? I'm not gonna do this, even though this is what the Bible commands me to do, I'm not gonna do it because it offends that person. That's actually a sign of the person being extremely prideful because it's self-preservation. I'm actually not even really concerned about that person. I care so much about myself, I don't want to create that awkward situation I might have to walk through. Yep, absolutely. Extreme self-centeredness. Guess what? It's not good. Right? So listen, look, look at this. Look at how awesome God is. He says, these are things that you will do when you are, are walking in agape love. But, but when I pray, God, I want to love more. What do I got to do to love more? He doesn't say, well, you got to look more in people's eyes. Try, try harder about doing that. You got you to gotta, um, work harder and not preparing what to say. See, that's adding. And what does God do? He roots out and tears down and pulls down and destroys before he adds and builds. So he's not trying to add these things. He's, he's, he's trying to show me what I got to remove to do these things. Because the Spirit, guys, the Spirit does amazing things when it is unleashed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? The Spirit of God is incredible what it will accomplish through a vessel when it is released, when the flow is allowed. So real sanctification is what's jamming up the flow? Pride, Eric. Your self-centeredness. If you are completely worried about yourself, you're not going to look people in the eyes. So deal with your pride. You're going to keep preparing what to say, so deal with your pride. Okay? What is the... If I, am, if, if I allow the Spirit to work on my heart in this area, if I begin to walk in humility and as uh, Philippians 2 says, esteem others or consider others above myself, then what's the likelihood I'm going to look people in the eyes? Hi. Like just take the, take the, uh, the situation of me coming home from work. I come home from work at 4 o'clock and... And I, and I get ready to walk in the, in the house. And because I've dealt with the pride in my own life, because I'm being humbled by God's spirit, I am already esteeming those inside the house above myself. 
So when I walk in, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Perhaps I'm going to look Lacey in the eyes and see if there's something there that the Spirit's going to tell me that deals with her day or what she needs in that moment. Make sense? What about not preparing what to say, meeting needs, speaking truth? It's all the same. It's all happy. <laughs> Just happiness. Um, there's a proverb that says, when come to me, he has pity on the poor man to the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord shall reward thee. So you don't ever know. In Matthew 25, when uh, Jesus was talking, he said, he said, when do we do this? He said, well, whenever you've done this to the least of the brethren, you've right. done it to me. So anybody that has uh, ignores So let, let, um, we're going to read one parable, yeah. or one teaching rather, but we're not going to discuss it, okay? This is a teaching to meditate on for the week, and then we'll discuss it next week, okay? So, so... Um, So if the Lord wants to deal with pride in your life, mm -hmm. pride manifesting in self-centeredness, self-centeredness then becoming the block that is keeping the flow from proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb through your belly into the earth, then, um, then this parable is going to be for you. And this parable is for me. And the two words that I'm going to have all of us um, study this week are also for us. And that's uh, selfish ambition and conceit. Where do I get those two words from? Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 or 3, whichever one it was. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but instead do what? Esteem others above yourself. Okay, so that is another something that comes first, something that precedes what we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? Esteem others above ourselves. 
What's that mean? Consider others above ourselves. Think about others before yourself. So before that instruction is given, it says, but this is what's got to go. So what's, what's likely preventing me from esteeming others above myself? Selfish ambition and conceit. Might want to know what those two things are, biblically speaking. Okay, so let's study those two words, and then let's read this, this teaching together. Luke 18. Kirby, would you mind reading this for us? Luke 18, 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Lord, I pray as we read this parable that, um, that even today you would begin to teach us what this means. Even today you would begin to teach us uh, the truths that are being revealed. Even today you would begin to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment if it pertains to us. And even today you would begin to, uh, to move us into a pruning of pride a pruning of self-centeredness, a pruning of selfish ambition, a pruning of conceit, that humility and esteeming others and being a pure vessel through which love to flow can begin to be planted and built. I pray for ears to hear, specifically ears to hear in the spirit, this teaching in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke 18, nine through 14. Amen. Lord, give us ears to hear, and we will discuss a week from today. Amen.